0: People, so today I have a really fun guest. Her name is Cassie, she is the founder of a really cool company called CrowdServe, and she works with digital talent online, and you are all going to love hearing from her. She has worked with some of the biggest talent, and she also has become this self-made entrepreneur, which I really admire. And so I'm very excited to sit down with her and have a quick little chat about all things entrepreneurship, being a woman in the music industry, and also working with digital talent. So hello.
1: Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Of course. So for those that don't know about you and your journey, where would you start? Would you start as you're the founder of CrowdSurf? Or would you start with like, I'm an entrepreneur? How would you really dive into who you are and what you do?
1: I would always say like, I feel like my journey started when I was 11 and 12 and a Backstreet Boys fan. That was my where my journey started. I was a fangirl. Um, I was, I, I really, I went to my first concert and that changed my life. I'd never seen one. I'd never experienced like a bunch of people loving the same artist and music at the, at the same time. And I sort of became obsessed with being one, a fan of them at that moment, but then two, just a fan of people in general. And I, you know, became a fan in the, the, was pretty active online, my version of active online at the time because I'm older would have been, you know, learning how to design fan pages, building an AOL zine. Um I had 10,000 subscribers, which doesn't sound like a lot now because we build fan accounts now that have millions of subscribers, but 10,000 was a lot for that era in the AOL era. Um mm-hmm. I but I learned, you know, fan pages, building a community yeah. on message boards that sort of thing. And then I think when I was 15 or 16, a family member of mine said, you know, that you you could work in music. And I, I just, until that point, I never thought about a job that wasn't the person on stage. So I became obsessed with that idea. And I, you know, did what all young people who want to work in music and entertainment do and buy Donald Passman's All You Need to Know About the Music Business. I still have my first mm-hmm. copy. It's highlighted. Uh, it's hilarious to kind of go back and see what I... Highlighted and what I wanted to learn more about at that you know point in my life, but a lot of it actually still like holds true to my like interest in um, strengths and weaknesses now, which is really interesting. Yeah, I did that, um, and I the, the one thing that I heard a lot about though when I would you know read books like this and do research is that it's really hard to get a job in entertainment. So yeah. I was really scared of not getting a job, so I kind of overcompensated in terms of doing. Um, I, I did everything I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. So I did everything I could in Louisville, Kentucky. I worked at a local record label. I worked at a management firm. I worked with local artists. I did everything I could locally to build my resume. And then I was going off to college and I had a great resume. So I was able to get a job as a Warner music Group college rep. And mm-hmm. that sort of was my introduction into their system. And normally they wouldn't have taken somebody that was an incoming freshman, at least not right. at that time is what they told me. They usually didn't take people till they're juniors or seniors, right. but because my resume was awesome, they took me as a freshman. So I felt really honored because I knew that these jobs were competitive. So mm-hmm. I was really excited that my work had you know, paid off and it got me an opportunity with a bigger name company. So I, I, I moved to Nashville. I, was a college up there. And my I think my career path sort of became more defined at that point when MySpace came out and I saw local artists using MySpace pages. And I went to my boss and I said, why don't major label artists use MySpace pages? I think there's a lot of opportunities for marketing in that. And she said, I'm not really sure what that means, but I see where you're going with it a little bit. And I'll let you use some of your hours to run a MySpace page, pick an artist you want to run a MySpace page for. So I I did that there. It was a group called the Click Five. And I did really well with that. I made them number one on MySpace. They were, you know, they were growing a fan base. They were doing all these amazing things um, on MySpace and that caught the general attention of the Warner Music Group. So they actually brought me into the Nashville office and I started running... Um, not just social media campaigns, but just digital marketing and general campaigns for artists in the country music space, which is interesting because I know a lot about it now, but at that time I knew nothing about it. So I did that for three years, kind of in conjunction while I was in college, which is really cool to do both at the same time. I feel like I learned a lot from both and they, the experiences really complemented each other. And I did that for three years and I really liked what I was doing, but there weren't jobs to grow into. I've been a temp for three years and I liked social media. I really enjoyed it. And I thought that it was going to continue to become more important. This was in like 2000, this would have been like 2007 when this was kind of happening. And uh, there wasn't like the, the word like community manager didn't exist. Like that wasn't a Mm -hmm. job. So there wasn't a job for me to go get and me and my business partner in a similar situation. So we decided let's, you know, just be consultants and do it together. And get some clients and keep doing the job that we'd like, but, you know, feel a little more like progress in our career since we've been doing this as temps for a while. So that's when CrowdSurf was born in 2007. And that was 15 years ago. And we've, you know, progressed, I would say slow and steady over the years. We have a staff of 50. Now we have over 120 clients and we've worked with some of the biggest artists and um creators in the world and we have an incredible roster and incredible people that work at the company and it's always been like we've grown every year but it's always been slow and, and steady it isn't one of those things where we you know we've never raised money so we've never been like okay we're doing our you know seed round or our a round or whatever and raising money and hiring a bunch of people and scaling quickly we've always scaled slowly. And I, you know, I think that suits me and my business partner's uh, personalities, but I'm, you know, really happy where we're at and still feel inspired to grow and try new things. And it's really cool to see where like digital marketing and social media marketing started and where it's at today and how important it is now.
0: Yeah. How cool. Thank you so much for going into depth there. I think, something that, you know, really took my eyes that you have always been somebody who's had this incredible work ethic and you've always searched for opportunities in places that maybe weren't clear, but you took them anyway. And that's something I've also done. Um, I've been, you know, an ambassador for over 13 companies when I was in college, but you stuck with one and you went from being like, I'm really, really good at this one specific thing and my goal is to work in music. And so I'm going to make it work. And that was, that's really inspiring, but also great to know that this is what some of these part-time college jobs and internships and temporals especially when they're relating to social media can lead to that can lead to successful entrepreneurs. It can lead to improving your time management skills and um, your outreach skills and trying something new that you might not do if, if it were a more technical job. And so what would your advice be to young college students who maybe want to do something in their career, but they're not quite sure where they want to go with it? Like, how would you, tell them to deal with the uncertainty that lies ahead?
1: I think the best way to figure out what you want to do is to try some different things. And you, you figure out pretty quickly if you like them or not. So when I started in, I knew I wanted to work in music, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do in music. So I went to Nashville, you know, with the idea of, you know, get getting music industry connections, but also figuring out what I wanted to do within that field. Cause there's a lot of different routes you can take. And because I liked concerts, I think I originally thought I would want to be a booking agent. So I got um, an internship at a booking agency, you know, a you know pretty big one. And I learned a lot there, but I realized that, that I didn't feel creative. And that's actually a lot more like logistical and, paperwork driven than I thought it would be. And I feel like it kind of it working behind the scenes in terms of organizing concerts didn't really equate to me feeling like the magic that I felt at concerts. So I learned quickly that by trying something that I thought I might be interested in that that was not what I was interested in. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good way to do it. And I think when you find something that you like, you you know it. And I think it's important to get out there and to kind of do things like internships or volunteering or whatever to get like to get experience because something can sound really good like concert promotion and booking sounded really good to me but then actually being in it was very different so I think figuring out a way you can get close to it and figure out what it's actually like and decide if you like it or not is a really you know a really good way to sort of weed out what it isn't that you want to do
0: Yeah, totally. And since you landed in this world of social media and kind of digital talent management, I know that that can encompass quite a lot. Um, There's not only pressure on the talent to perform well, but there's probably also pressure on you to help the talent, you know, morph into a star or to amplify their mission even more. How do you deal with that kind of of management and not internalizing other wins or losses, uh, you know, to an extreme?
1: Yeah, um, it's taken a lot of experience, I think, to not take you know certain things in what I do personally. I made a rule for myself that when I was younger, I would get really upset when people like wouldn't take my advice because I knew the advice was good and it would help them. But it's ultimately their decision to take advice or not. So I made a rule that I will always give somebody the best advice I can. If it's an important piece of advice, I like to make sure it's in writing so that if something goes wrong, it can be referenced later that I told them to do something different than what they did. But I, I give them the advice once. If I really believe in something, I'll push it one more time. And then otherwise, I, I let it go. And I'm in clear conscience that I did my best and that I can't control how somebody else handles the information I, I give them. But as long as I know I did my best in the situation, I'd, I feel at peace.
0: Right. And talk to us a little bit more about how you navigated you know, some of the music industry with a lot of, I know there's a lot of bold personalities. I know there's a lot of uh, very maybe like old school thinkers, uh, very, you know, male dominated. How have you kind of paved a way in that space that you're comfortable and confident in?
1: Yeah, I, I still think I deal with imposter syndrome and sometimes don't believe I belong backstage at a certain show or at a certain conference table or at a party or a dinner or that sort of thing. Um, But whether it was 15 years ago or now, my thing is always, even if you don't feel like you belong or even if you're nervous about it, like do your best that I think that's a general theme with me is like, do your best, like go to the meeting and make sure you say something, even though you're intimidated by the people in the room because you look up to them or, if you're nervous to go to this party because everyone looks amazing and it's high-level celebrities, still go and do your best, and you know, don't pass out. Don't pass on an opportunity because the situation made you nervous or scared. It's my my I don't want to have any regrets. I always push myself to do things that I feel are important, even when I feel a little, you know, under you know pressure. at certain. Times I remember there was one time you know speaking of male you know dominated industry and I, and I thought this was really nice actually I thought the intention was really nice but I got invited to this sort of industry dinner with like eight executives and it was me and then like seven men probably in their fifties or sixties and I appreciated them inviting me because I know that they're trying to be inclusive and you know get a different perspective for somebody but that and that dinner made me really nervous because. I don't really have a lot in common with those people, um, you know, outside of work, you know, they all have children. I don't, they're older than me. They like golf. I don't really know how to play. You know, there's a lot of differences just because of our age and gender and, you know, different generations. Um, but I went and I, I did my best and I connected with some people and you know, made some, you know, work, you know, contacts, you know, from that, from that situation. Um, but it's, a uh, you know those those kind of things can feel intimidating. But when I feel intimidated or feel fear, um, I like to take a step back and think: Do I feel do I feel the fear because I should or shouldn't do it? Because they kind of feel the same sometimes. Should I like the, the fear? Can um, in in those situations? And I I think I you know take a step back, identify: Am I scared because I'm nervous and this matters to me, or am I fearful because I'm have physiological symptoms that I shouldn't do something. And usually it's because mm-hmm. I'm I'm scared because it matters to me. And I push myself forward on that situation and try to not talk myself out of doing something, even though it might, you know, make me a little scared or intimidated. I, I'm scared and intimidated because it matters to me.
0: Totally. Yeah. That, that's a really good point about fear and kind of standing up to the concept of fear um when we're having these like physical reactions to it and is it happening because you're scared of the judgment of others and is whatever you're doing going to actually benefit you long term are you scared because like there's truly like a fight or flight moment like you have to like you're in danger you know those are two very different kinds of fear and i think also if 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 it is the second kind i hope that it, you know we can get to a point where we recognize and can easily distinguish like getting up on a stage and maybe falling on stage or fumbling on your words while you're talking in a conference like most people won't notice most people won't care and it's also about how we perceive fear so i wanted to dive into like mindset a little bit and how over the years since you've been on social media for a long time how you kind of think about social media and mental wellness especially when it's your job
1: yeah it's it's tough i you, you know i think a lot of times people don't realize on day, especially like general traumatic days like when the war on Ukraine launched, or when there's a terrible terrorist attack or shooting, those are days that are really heavy for social media Everything. managers, because we are like guiding people on how to deal with it. And we have to be in it and see it where I think other people can take a step away from it if they want to. So those are, those are, I think, tough days, you know, for, yeah. for us, for, for sure. Yeah. Then, you know, I, I think people maybe don't think about that aspect of it sometimes. A lot of, uh, that's but, uh, something I think a know, lot
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, like, that's a big topic in the industry, not just for managers, but for influencers, creators, um, brands, anyone working in the social space. I mean, I think it, it goes all down to leadership, right? Like, what are your values, even if it's like on an individual level as a creator, what are your values and how are you going to like elevate and use your platform to speak up? Because at the end of the day, like, people are usually engaging and looking at content for an average of three seconds. That's like a very, very short amount of time. And if you can post something and elevate a message and stand up for something like, why would you not? But then at the same time, some of that is insinuated by the pressure from everyone saying you have to care about XYZ issue on this day, at this time, and if you don't, then you're like feeding into you know, the oppressor. Um, winning. And I feel like that is a lot of of it's it's a really hard thing to grapple with and it's a lot of, I think harsh pressure that it's not necessarily right or wrong. I think both sides are, are you know, it makes sense, but to think about it in the scope of a business, to think about it in the scope of like, if you don't talk about this now, Like what, why do you even have a platform in the first place? That's a question that I ask myself a lot, especially when really bad things are happening in the world and certain influencers aren't amplifying, like what's happening to students and women in Iran right now, what's happening in Ukraine right now, what's happening um, with like even abortion rights in the United States right now in certain states and how that's affecting healthcare. I mean, the list goes on and that's not to say that one issue's more important than the other, but how have you kind of navigated that, like from a business perspective, advising other, other people?
1: Yeah, it, it's changed a lot too. Cause I would say 15 years ago, you just didn't touch any of that stuff. Um, right. It was just like, it was faux pas to do that. And I'm glad that it's changed and evolved and that yeah. people do want to speak up. I, I think the, the thing that's most important is to take a beat to do research. I see a lot of people share something in good intentions, but it's actually not the right message or the information is inaccurate. So I think it's important to vet your sources and information. And luckily, especially when you get to a higher level, there's a lot of great publicity companies that know how to vet these sort of situations and what, you know, what organizations are better to support than others you're going to support a political candidate. They're going to know, you know, if that's a good move for your brand or not. Um, but I I think the number one thing is just being educated and don't just do it because you saw somebody else do it. Like really understand the situation inside and out and make sure that there's so many false graphics and memes and, and TikToks that go around and you just want to make sure that whatever you're sharing is is accurate, but I, I do encourage people to share, you know, more frequently than than ever. And a lot of times we'll help them vet um, information or sources or tell them, you know, what's you know what charities are you know the best to amplify that sort of thing. But it's really cool to see how many creators and businesses, you know, are using their platform for good and really take what they're posting about these sort of, you know, sensitive topics very seriously.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And leading into that, I kind of have another question about more the talent management side um, and when the right time to get a manager is. I mean, I know you manage some very, very high profile talent, um, but for let's like kind of scale back um, to maybe the under a million range, you know, is it right to get a management? Not necessarily right or wrong when is it the smartest business decision to get a management team going on? Because let's be real at the end of the day, when you get a management team, it's a business decision because you are giving them a percentage. They're also finding work for you or like at least negotiating some of the work. Um, And then also distinguishing the difference between kind of like management PR teams and agent teams and how they work together. I think a lot of listeners are very curious about how to get management when it's the right time and also how it all works together for digital talent.
1: Totally, and yeah, this is a question I get a lot too. And I think, so I think when it comes to, we'll start with management. With management, it's always better if somebody is seeking you out versus you seeking them out because a manager's only is, good for you is how much they care about you. Mm -hmm. And if they're not excited about you, it's not a good person to have on your team. It does, you know, like if you were at 50,000 followers, but there's somebody that's has experience and is very excited about you and has a vision for you. Like that could not be too early because that person's excited about you and they're legitimate. But if you're at a million followers and you haven't found somebody that is excited about you, and you're reaching out to people and people are taking the meetings because of your numbers, but you don't feel like they get you or the, you know, the passion you shouldn't sign with somebody just because you need a manager. Or if you do make sure that you have an out on that contract. (laughs) Um, But I think it comes down to like, who's excited about you. Mm -hmm. And and, And hopefully they find you organically versus like you begging somebody to be their, you know, their, their manager. I would say every, I'm trying to think of everyone that I've worked, I work with on the management front they are somebody that i sought out or like i knew about them and somebody asked me are you interested in this and i'm like yes i love them and i already know who they are you know like i already like was excited about them and had a vision in my head as soon as somebody told me about them so you know those i think are you know the best kind of situations um and so I think, you know, something that, so some roles that people confuse a lot, I think people confuse, especially in the like creator economy, I think people mm-hmm. confuse agents and managers a lot. So I always like to say the manager is kind of, they're sort of like the center of the, the wheel. And then there's a lot of spokes that they have to communicate with. And one of those big spokes on the wheel is the agent. So the agent's job is to, their sole job is to procure work for somebody. And they usually take between 10 to 20% of the deals that they bring in. So they're going to get you a deal with a brand. For example, they're going to coordinate the terms. They're going to try to get the the terms to be as most favorable as possible. They're going to try to get the money up as high as possible. And they're solely there to get gigs like that versus like a manager has to deal with all aspects of your career. They're going to be dealing with, you know, the agent and they might bring in some brand deals themselves as well, but they're also going to be dealing with like your schedule. What does your, what does your social media strategy look like? What does your career arc look like? What are your goals in one year, five years and 10 years? Like a a manager is much more of like an architect and dealing with all aspects of somebody's life and career versus the agent is just dealing with, the you know one by one paying gigs and then publicity publicists are usually sometimes they're on all the time but they're usually paid on a monthly retainer with a monthly fee and they're either sometimes they bring them on for big events sometimes they're on all the time the publicists are hired in a lot of different ways in a lot of different time frames but their main job is to well they have several jobs but they are there to help you tell your story and present your brand to the public and figure out like, what is that story? What does it look like? And then what avenues are you taking to get that story out there? So that can be scheduling people for magazine shoots, podcasts, and so many other things in, in between, but that, that's their main job and the manager and the PR firm, you know, or individual publicists, you know, it's important that they're in sync and work closely together um, and at yeah. the end of the day if any of these entities that you work with aren't working out the manager is gonna have to, probably gonna know before the talent is and they're gonna have to be the person that fires these people so they're kind of yeah managing all these people in your life in addition to to you
0: okay yeah I would agree with all that and all that clarification is so helpful and I feel like I I I'm just a very overwhelmed person with the amount that I do just because it's across so many fields. So in some ways I think I should niche down and I've had like talent agent for a little bit. I've had a talent manager for a little bit and I don't think either side was like the right fit necessarily the right time. And I feel like that just happens. And, um, at the end of the day, like it is a business decision. So if it's not working, it's not working and you have to not take it personally and just move on. Um, but I I'm definitely Mm -hmm. seeking that, you know, more well-rounded architect to help build it out. I really like that you use that word to frame what a talent manager can do with talent. Um, And it's not to say that talent managers also can't negotiate or like do any of the stuff that an agent might do or do any of the stuff that a PR team might do. It it just depends where and who and what level. Is it like a friend who needs extra money who you're hiring to manage your inbox and be your manager for a little bit, because I know that happens a lot in the creator world. Or is it a big management team? Are you going boutique and then getting signed? I mean, the list goes on. Like there's so many different avenues to all of this that within the creator space, I think it's it's still pretty unknown. And it's definitely hard to get someone to believe in you I think in a lot of ways because at any given moment I mean I guess this was is with any job especially we we've seen this with COVID but like music especially also is like you could have your one hit wonder and then be done um with with social media you could go viral get five million followers and then all of a sudden get canceled or like not have any purchasing power and nobody's gonna want to work with you and like that's not anything that we can individually control. So I just think it's interesting to see how the industry is kind of ebbing and flowing. And I know that you do a lot of like social media predictions and anything. What would be your like top three predictions in the next, you know, couple of years with social media?
1: Yeah. um, I always like thinking about what's next. So there'll definitely, I don't know what the platform will be, but there will definitely be a new platform that comes into the mix, like at the level that a TikTok did, there always has been. And it's, it's a TikTok is kind of, I I like to think about the traditional marketing bell curve, you know, TikTok's kind of in its peak of the bell curve. And what happens is it's not even that TikTok will do anything wrong is that it hits a point where there's nobody left in the world to sign up for it. And so that's automatically going to create a decline. Because like that's where Instagram and Facebook are. There's nobody left to make an account, so they're, they're, it's not going to grow the way it used to. And and then at some point there will be a new platform that comes in, and people will be excited to sign up for it. And then that's where that's and that's the magic moment to get in when you are right. doing well on a platform early as people are signing up for it. That's where you get followers the easiest. So I you know I definitely predict that there'll be something you know, in the, in the mix on, on that front. Um, And I think that whatever platforms really figure out how to, you know, I think sort of take more of a stand against like bullying and people's privacy and rights being violated on that regard. I think that whoever does figures out how to handle that better is going to be a really big winner and people are going to feel more comfortable spending time and their DMS there, they're going to spend more, you know, feel more comfortable just scrolling and, you know, feeling positive. I, I, I think whatever platforms figure out how to create a space where people feel happy versus negative or potential to be attacked. I think that's who's going to win because it's, it, it can be, uh, it can be rough out there. I mean, like for example, like for a second, I was really loving LinkedIn, but I think mm-hmm. it's become really negative. So I actually deleted the app off my phone and just log in on the browser a couple times a week because yeah. was, at one point it was super inspiring. The feed was, and then it became really like negative and complainy. And I was just yeah. like, I, this is not, I I'm actually like, I, I felt yeah. happier in my life since it's not been on my phone. Um, so totally, yeah. I think whoever figures out how to make it feel happy to be in, in their world is, is going to
0: win. Yeah. I would agree with all of that, especially, you know, there's going to be different platforms that play at a different strength instead of trying to be a copycat of one another and just try to, you know, showcase and glamorize yeah. life uh, as it is not versus, you know, life as it as it actually is so um that's kind of interesting but as we wrap up i ask my guest two different things the first thing is what is like your you know song that gets you in your groove that like makes you really confident that you're like your anthem
1: my anthem oh my goodness um i feel like i have a playlist that's my anthem i'm trying to think of what what song i really like this is tough because i listen to so many things and i feel like i only listen to like my clients of course um, i'm gonna go like uh, 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 any backstreet boys song is gonna make me happy i mean we can go with like a we can go with like a, a i want it that way it's a classic so i'll go with yeah. that backstreet Boys. of I course we
0: way. we love that song Um, and then last but not least is, I know you did share a lot of rules and amazing kind of quotes, but is there a mantra that you live by that we need to know about you?
1: (laughs) I mean, I just steal everything from the four agreements. Um, but you know, again, like earlier, I think I just, you know, I always try to do the best I can and accept that people not take. People not taking my advice doesn't mean I didn't do my job. Um, as right. long as I did my best to present that advice, I feel like I I did a good job, even if like that result didn't you know become a public facing thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you. Sorry. My headphones are falling out. They're these little link pods. I don't know if you've ever <laughs> used them. They actually have great sound quality, but they're just a pain in the ass to stick in your ear. Anyhow, thank you all so much for listening. Um, where can we find you and the work that you do if we want to you know, follow you?
1: Yeah, so um, um, I'm on every social media platform under my name, Cassie Petrie, C-A-S-S-I-E-P-E-T-R-E-Y, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn and every other place. So that's, and I Amazing. like, you know, chatting with people and if you have it, you know, if you ever want to send a DM and ask a question about creator economy or music industry, always down to give advice and give thoughts.
0: Absolutely. I, I love it. You're so insightful. I really appreciate all of your wisdom and I can't wait to hopefully meet you in person one day. Um, but with that, bye Absolutely. Guys. That'd
1: be great.